And the rest of us older youth, uh, open with me to the book of 1 Samuel. So since this is like May is Mother's Day month, we're going to do every Sunday, we're going to look at a woman in the Bible. And if we like it, we'll just keep going on. No, so we're going to look today at Hannah. So let me uh, remind us, because April, not that we uh, got off track, but there's several things we do with Easter. Our theme this year is the word focused. And that came out of in the fall when we were going through the New Testament, we were re reading Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is described in the Bible as the hall of faith. Figures in the Old Testament that had faith in God's word. And boy, I really felt strongly that the Lord was saying, go back this year, go back and look at all of those people by faith that overcame the situations that they were in. But don't forget, you have Jesus today. They didn't know Jesus. And so we always take that time. We go back and we look at, in the Old Testament, these uh, people that stood in faith for God. But then we end with, we look to Jesus. We have him today. There's not a situation that we won't face that's not represented in the Old Testament. There's somebody in the Old Testament that's probably going through what you're going through. And so that's the importance of the Old Testament. It's not old and done away with because God's word never fades away. It's eternal. So we um, find your place in 1 Samuel, but I want to read two verses. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 and then Romans 15, 4, to kind of set this up. Hebrews 12, 2. And here's what we do this year. We look to Jesus, who's the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Romans chapter 15, verse 4, the apostle Paul writes this. For whatever was written in former days, he's talking about the Old Testament. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So what we're going to read today is an encouraging word, even if you're not a woman. So find a man sitting by you and say, you're going to be encouraged today because of Hannah. You're going to be encouraged today because of Hannah. Well, I want to set this story up, and so I want to read a few scriptures today in 1 Samuel. Let me say this before we start. If there's no Hannah, there's no Samuel. Think about that. If there's no Hannah with a vow to stand before the Lord, there's no prophet Samuel. And looking at through the judges, God would raise up judges to judge Israel. But remember, one of the judges was Samson. He didn't have a prophetic voice. What's happening in Israel at this time, it's a dark time. The, in fact, the third chapter of Samuel says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There wasn't any prophetic vision. Eli, who is the high priest at the time, is not even listening to the voice of God. His sons are running amok. And everybody knows it, that these two are trouble. In fact, the Bible calls them worthless men. But if there's no Hannah, there's no Samuel. If there's no Samuel, there's nobody to anoint Saul, to anoint David. 
But God wants to find those that have a vow whom he can partner with. And so we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And you're going to love these towns and people's names. Why can't we just have John and Roger and, uh, you know, that they live in Arcadia. We got these weird names here. It says this. There was a certain man of Rehathazim Zoephim on the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanai, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. Whew. Put that on a driver's license, right, where he is. Um, and it says, he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, the name of the other, Pianal. And Pianal had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanai sacrificed, he would give portions to Penia, his wife, and to her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. Can I read that again? Her rival, right, the other wife, would provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had, had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. What went on year by year? That she was being irritated by this lady. And as often as she went before the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanai, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She vowed a vow. And said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer Sad. I like when I read that. And her face was no longer sad. 
They arose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to the house in Ramah. And Elkanai knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. So, Father, as we come before your scriptures today and we look at Hannah, who's not listed as a by faith Hannah in Hebrews 11, but we look today and we can say when we see Hannah, we see a woman who by faith made a vow to you, trusting you for everything in her life. Lord, let it be a mirror in our life today. There are things that we've been praying for. But Lord, let us come to you today in faith and confidence for those very things we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So we have this husband and he has two wives. Now here's the thing we've got to know. The Bible never condoned that you having a second wife. So here's probably what happened. He marries Hannah and she can't have any children. And then he goes ahead and marries this other lady and she's got a bunch of kids. So I was thinking of this. You, you couldn't satisfy two wives in the household, could you? How many of you men would say, you know, I just, that's what I need. I need a second wife. That would just make things so much easier. Now, wives, what would it be like living with another wife? Who, who chooses who gets to cook what and who decorates what and who gets, uh, you talk about when we read about she grievously irritated her, that's exactly what would happen. So when we read this, probably what happened was Hannah couldn't have any kids. And so he married this other lady that had kids, but here's what we know. He loved Hannah. And Hannah didn't give up on having kids, but in fact, we read she was provoked and provoked. We read this in verse 11, because this is the most powerful part of Hannah. She vowed a vow. In fact, I get a picture. She, it was like she put her foot down, and this was something new to her. She vowed a vow, and it says this, and she said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. That's the Nazarite vow. That's what we read about Samson. No razor is going to touch his head. He's not going to drink wine. That, this boy was going to be given to the Lord in the service of the Lord. I'll make sure that I give him to the Lord. You know, and I was writing a few things down when I read this vow. You know, a lot of times we are praying for things that we have no intention of giving God back and giving it to him first. You know how many people I've prayed with that say, I, I need you to pray for me. I got something big happening this week. Yeah, what can I pray for? I'm going to go do the lotto. And you know, I'm going to give back to the Lord, right? So the Lord will bless that, right? And you're like, ah. I'm going to the racetrack on Saturday. And I want the Lord, no, th this is Hannah. Notice what she's doing. She's personally making this vow. And for us to look at and say, you know what? There are things that we pray and believe God for, but we know in our hearts that we have no intention of giving it back to him. That's when we know that that's selfish. Because we understand it's all his. Tell your neighbor it's all his. Right? It's all his. Our intentions should be him. 
So here's what God needs, though. He's looking at this whole little Israel world system. He needs a partner. He needs to raise up a prophet. But it seems like that the only one that's going to make a vow and stand there and say, if I have a son, Lord, I'm going to give him to you, is Hannah. He needs a prophet to speak to the people. He needs a prophet who can communicate on his behalf. And for this period of a dark history, he needs somebody that's going to listen and hear from God and tell the people because that is rare in these days. God wants to raise up somebody in these days, but he needs somebody to partner with. And his partner that kicks off Samuel, the whole book, is Hannah. Because she vows a vow. In fact, I mentioned earlier, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 at the end says, And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. But God now is going to partner with Hannah to raise up this young child. For I love that verse in Psalm 127.3. Behold, children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Children are the heritage of the Lord. So I was thinking about that. In fact, we read through here, uh, or we'll read, Hannah weans this little child. And most Bible scholars probably think he's three, four, or five years old. In fact, if we went a little bit younger, can you imagine having your child for three or four years, the very firstborn, and you go and give him to the church? Hey, Pastor Walter, I want to give you this kid. He's yours. <laughs> oh, okay. Here's this little tiny kid. Can you imagine giving up? Would any of you give up the first? Some of you are like, I'd give up that firstborn right away. No, you would not. It'd be hard to give up a child, wouldn't it? It'd be hard to do that. Well, that's exactly what she's going to do. I'm going to give of this one. I'm going to give it back to the Lord. I don't know if I'm ever going to have any more, but I made a vow that when I have this one, I'm going to give it to the Lord. You know, do you remember when you were little? Do any of you remember kindergarten? I can still remember kindergarten at San Gabriel Christian School crying. I was four years old. My mom put me in kindergarten at four because I don't turn my birthday's late October. And I remember, I still remember at four crying and crying and not wanting to go and screaming. I can't imagine being that kindergarten teacher that I did all that. You know, we grow up a little bit. Do you imagine, any of you remember making the jump to high school, ninth grade, first day of school? Were you nervous? How many of you, you were nervous, right? You're like the freshman, you're the lowest thought. That's, that's nerve wracking. I remember turning 16, and on my 16th birthday after football practice, I was at the DMV on Rosemead, sweaty and stinky, because I was going to get that driver's test in before they closed, because I couldn't wait to drive. I remember my very first date that I had at 16, and I ran out of money at the, gro at the restaurant. I had to leave my driver's license and go get more money and come back. You're talking about embarrassing, but of course she stuck with me, right? No. We remember a first day at a wedding. We remember our kids. But think about your own kids. Do you remember the first day of their school? In kindergarten, we cried more than she did. I remember taking the day off, and we went and had breakfast after we dropped off, and we were crying, oh, our little babies in kindergarten now, oh, right? Oh, they get out at noon, but we're still crying, you know, half day. And then you find out they had the best day ever. Do you remember when your child made the jump first day of high school? 
and they were nervous, and you were nervous all day long, and you waited for that phone call at 3 or 4 in the afternoon? Do you remember when that child drove your car by themselves for the first time, and you saw it go down, and you thought, dear God, I believe in angels that surround that vehicle as they go, because they're going to need it. We remember all of those things. Do you remember their first date? I remember this boy came to pick up Madison, and I remember she didn't say anything. She says, okay, guys, I'm going to leave. She was going on uh, Sadie's. What do you mean you're going to leave? Well, he texted me. He's out in the car. Oh, no, no, that's not how it works. You tell him to get his butt in the house. Right? We're going to have a little conversation. You know, don't text, and she walks out. No, you tell him to come in the house. So he came in the house, and we had a talk with him. We wanted to just make sure that, you know, he could see me, and I had all my guns laid. I didn't do that. I'm going to tell you what. They don't always feel like you're, they're your little children, but regardless how, how old they are, they're your little children. And to think about giving this one back, the very first one. In fact, we read on that the other wife is provoking and irritating her. And I get this picture, you know, we talk about coming to church Sunday morning, you got the two wives. Okay, Hannah, let's get all the kids ready for church. Oh, that's right, you don't have kids. Let me go get mine ready. Oh, Hannah, during the week, we've got this, like, play date set up for all the... Oh, that's right. You don't have children. Provoking. In fact, the Bible says that this goes on for years. Provoking and irritating. Provoking and irritating. And you're living under the same roof. All right, it's bedtime for all the kids. Oh, that's right. You don't have any kids to tuck in. Hey, we're going to do a Friday night movie. Oh, that's right. You don't have any kids to do a Friday night movie night. Just irritating, 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 provoking. So at this point, when we read the scripture, it seems like Hannah is belittled and she's broken. Her situation hasn't changed. The situation of her heart, though, begins to shift because she shifts to pray. And it really is a heart shift in her to pray a prayer of faith. Let me read that verse again in verse 11, 1 Samuel 1, 11. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look upon the infliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give your servant son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. This is both great faith and a great commitment. I think about this when I write this, because as we've dedicated our kids to the Lord, I use that verse all the time. We're only raising them for a short period of time because there's a time when they'll move out. But even as a small child, we lend them back to the Lord because they're his children. And the most important thing that I think we can sometimes as parents instill in them is that they become, in our case, uh, women and men that call out and seek God's wisdom through his word on a daily basis, making sure that they're following that one voice. And Hannah's going to do that very thing with Samuel. It's going to give him back to the Lord. And I love reading about this little boy that he ministers to the Lord. He's in a temple where they should be worshiping God, but they're, they're, there's no worship going on. Eli, when the, here's a lady praying in church, and he thinks she's drunk. 
hey, drunk lady, can you get yourself cleaned up? She's praying. She's pouring out her heart. And, and like the pastor of that day thinks she's drunk. That's like me coming up to you in worship and you have your hands up and you're doing whatever you do. And I'm saying, hey, are you drunk today? Hey, get your fingers out. Let's see if you can touch your nose. Right? He thinks she's drunk. He's not even connected in that this lady is seeking God with all of his heart. His kids have turned that uh, temple into a place of prostitution. They're eating all of the sacrifices. It's known about through all of Israel. But this little boy who Hannah has had faith to have is going to minister to the Lord. And as a young boy, he's going to hear the voice of the Lord. Where Eli, the one that has all the experience, hasn't even been listening to the voice of the Lord. But this little boy is going to hear the voice of the Lord. Here's what we don't read from Hannah. The Lord never tells her that the one you give is going to be one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. Because that would be easy to give back, right? Yeah, I want you to know that this child that you have vowed to have a vow before, when you give him to me, he will be one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. She doesn't know that at all. She has no idea that this little influential child is going to be put amongst two worthless men who everything they do are evil. And you know, children, children pick up everything that's going around in their environment, but not Samuel. Samuel's going to make sure that he ministers to the Lord. Why? Because there was also faith that Hannah had for him. She's not even promised. God doesn't say, okay, you give me one. And I'm going to give you five more. Because that would be easy, wouldn't it? She has no promise that she'll have any other kids. But the Bible says that she has five more children. But she had that heart to give that one to the Lord. In fact, once barren, Hannah now has six kids. But it didn't start out that way. It started back with her making a vow before the Lord crying out to the Lord, making a commitment to the Lord. So this weeping, mourning woman teaches us today how to respond. That we don't just pray and pray the way that we pray. Let me tell you, as we all face things, there's many things that we pray and we give lip service to it. But what we see from Hannah, it came from her heart. It came from everything about her. And I love this verse in 1 John 5 verse 14 and 15 the apostle john writes this and this is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and we know that he hears us in whatever we ask we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him let me read that again this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, what does he do? He hears you. Hannah's prayer did not go from not hearing or touching the ears of God. You know what your prayers do too? Your prayers are heard by the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that he is our advocate. He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. He's forever praying for you. But, are you praying? 
Are you coming before him? Are you steadfast? Are you confident? In fact, the end of the verse said, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. I'd like you to bow your heads today. You know, when I read this, I think of, I go back to this. Have my prayers not had the intention of what I've prayed for of giving it back to God? Because here's the thing. The things that we pray and stand in faith for God should glorify him first and foremost. It shouldn't glorify the flesh at all. It should always focus on him. So Father, we come today, all of us have situations that we are facing. We have areas that we ask wisdom from you. But Lord, when we look at Hannah's life today, she made a vow. There was a shift that took place in her heart. No longer the provoked or irritated by somebody else demeaned, she made a shift in her heart to come before you in confidence. To not just give you lip service because what she said from her lips came from her heart. She was trusting you with everything. And so Lord, as we come before you this day and we're trusting you in those areas of our life, Lord, we're not to be concerned about the other areas that you're working on because here's what we know. You're at work in our life. You're at work in our life. You tell us that you go before us and you make the crooked places straight. You remind us that you do go before us in all things. And we're going to be like Moses. If the presence of you doesn't go before us, then we're not going to move. We want you to move on our behalf. But Lord, we would come today and we would submit to you in confidence in the things that we pray. That we trust you in every area. Even today, if it doesn't look exactly how it's supposed to be, we have confidence not based in what we see. We have confidence based in you and what you said. These words we read are for our instruction and for our endurance and for our encouragement. And there's not a Samuel without a Hannah. There's not a prophet raised up without a Hannah stepping out in faith. And so, Lord, we also pray today for all of our families in Jesus' name. Lord, you know exactly where they are, what they're doing. And so, Lord, for many of them, they have run another direction from you. And so, Lord, we vow a vow today and we pray over their lives that, God, wherever they are today, and you know where they are, that you would get a hold of their hearts, that you would make those hearts that are of stone and you turn it to flesh, that your very presence surrounds them even right now. And Lord, that laborers are sent forth and they're, maybe they're listening on something on the radio or television or somebody at a store or a mall. But Father, I pray today that you capture their hearts because we've prayed and we have confidence when we pray that you move. Lord, I pray over all of us today that as we pray,
pray and we're confident about what we pray, that we're confident that you're already moving. And you tell us to do this, to cast all of the care. In fact, care is the fear, the worry, the anxieties. We're to cast all of the care to you because you care for us. We take Jesus' yoke upon us. It's light and easy. You're doing the heavy lifting. We're to stand in confidence today. And Lord, I thank you that when we look at Hannah's life, we are encouraged. We are motivated. We stand in faith today. And though we don't read by faith, Hannah, we say that. By faith, Hannah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, it's interesting how much Jesus fulfills. Samuel was prophet priest, but Jesus was prophet priest and king. That same Samuel that would anoint David, that Jesus would come through that line of David. And that it's all fulfilled when we continue to keep our eyes looking to him. Well, stand with me if you would. We're going to close. It says, and so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord. And it's a capitalized L Lord. So it was the tabernacle. It was the church. It was the place of worship. It says that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. If we were to apply that to our lives today, I would imagine that there's some of you here this morning that even on your way to church this morning, it wasn't a female provoking you, although maybe for some of you it was. But it could have been that the enemy, even on your drive to church today, was provoking you. Reminding you that what you've been believing for is not going to happen. Telling you that what the word says, he's done it for somebody else, but for you, not this time. Year after year, it says, when she would go up to the house of the Lord, she provoked her, and she wept. But you see, just like that lyric in that song, I love that lyric that says, all truth defined and found in you. The truth is the word, and you are defined and found in the word. He can provoke you all he wants. Because you know what? That's the only power he's got is his tongue. Because at the end of the day, the truth that defines your life, the truth that defined Hannah's life was found in the Lord. And the vow that she made harnessed herself to the promise of God to come to pass in her life and to not just change her, but to change a nation. That's why when people ask me what I'm passionate about, I say it's been the same thing for years, making a difference in the lives of women, because I'm convinced beyond convinced. If we can change the life of a woman, generations will be changed because her heart gets harnessed to the promise of God, which affects generations to come.
I don't know if you find yourself this morning being provoked by the enemy, but I want to encourage you today. Provoking is a pain. I get it. But I want to encourage you today. Let that provoking drive you. Continue to drive you to the house of God and to the truth of his word that you can harness yourself to and see generations following you and through you be changed. He desires to use you. And remember, the provoking is mere lip service. It has no power over you if you give it no power. The only power it has is what you give it, but the power is the truth that is defined by the word in your life. Amen? Amen. Oh, Jesus is good. Jesus is good. Let me take a seat for a minute. We have a